The Bible teaches us the nature of God and describes it in part in Acts 20.35. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak, and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. God's desire is to bless us. All of his commandments and precepts are given for our personal benefit and for the benefit of the community at large. God's commandments and precepts are not for God's own benefit, unless one understands that it is God's desire to bless us. Of course, to be blessed, one must be in a blessable place. The blessable place is a very real place, and it begins at the place Jesus Christ calls born again. The blessable place is maintained by the same faith in Christ and obedience to God's word we demonstrated from the start. It is impossible to please God without faith. It can't be done. Hebrews 11:6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. At this place of faith in God through Christ our Lord, the doors of God's blessings swing wide open. Here God can bless us, and this pleases Him. Are you in a blessable place? Have you yet to be born again? Jesus shows us the way to God's eternal blessings in John 3, 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In just a moment, I will invite you to follow me in a simple prompt. Follow from your heart, and today, everything will change for you. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It's so absolutely true. Today all your sin and shame will be washed away by Christ's cleansing blood. Today all of Satan's bondages in your life will be snapped. You will be perfectly clean and free. Today your soul is in your own hand. Here is the simple prompt I promised. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the invisible kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee, and in thy seed shall all families of the earth be blessed. God said, Genesis 23, 7 through 9 and 13 through 19. And Abraham stood up and bowed himself to the people of the land, even to the children of Heth. And he communed with them, saying, If it be your mind that I should bury my dead out of my sight, hear me, and entreat for me to Ephron, the son of Zohar, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he hath, which is in the end of his field, for as much money as it is worth, he shall give it me for a possession of a bearing place amongst you. 
And he spake unto Ephron in the audience of the people of the land, saying, But if thou wilt give it, I pray thee, hear me. I will give thee money for the field, take it of me, and I will bury my dead there. And Ephron answered Abraham, saying unto him, My lord, hearken unto me. The land is worth four hundred shekels of silver. What is that betwixt me and thee? Bury therefore thy dead. And Abraham hearkened unto Ephron, and Abraham weighed to Ephron the silver, which he had named in the audience of the sons of Heth, four hundred shekels of silver, current money, with the merchant. And the field of Ephron, which was in Machpelah, which was before Mamre, the field and the cave which was therein, and all the trees that were in the field that were in all the borders round about, were made sure." unto Abraham for possession in the presence of the children of Heth before all that went in at the gate of the city. And after this, Abraham buried Sarah his wife in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, the same as Hebron in the land of Canaan. God said, 1 Peter 2, 6-8, Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Man said, So, okay, Maybe I never read the Bible. So what? Everybody knows it's just old men with a God fetish writing nonsense. It's totally unreliable. So what if I didn't read it? Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature article 1117, that will for the 1117th time certify the full supernatural inerrancy of God's holy Bible. All of these faith-building features are archived here in text and streaming audio for the edification of the blood-bought and as a platform from which to convince the gainsayer. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for visiting today. We are honored by your presence. May God's face shine upon you and your house. How reliable is the record given in the majority text Holy Bible? Is it just the writings of mere men, as critics claim? Or is it the inerrant words of the living God as presented? Consider carefully. The living God is cataloging your response to the question even at this very moment. God said, man says, has established via highly credible third-party attestation the supremely supernatural bona fides of the Word of God, beginning with the beginning. The world's scholars have challenged the beautiful book from the start, and they continue their incessant efforts to upend God's holy book to this day. They just meet with one ugly failure after another each and every time. The confrontation began in the Garden of Eden, and it will end soon. Be of good cheer, child of God. The word has not suffered a scratch, not even a mild abrasion. In the scriptures, Abraham is known as the father of all them that believe, Romans 4.11. 
and he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. Romans 4.16 Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace, to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. In the 1600s, Bishop Usher wrote his master chronology of time, a tome titled The Annals of the World, in which he wrote that Abraham was born just two years after Noah died. That dates Abraham back to just over 4,000 years. Father Abraham is a very real and historic figure, and believe me, he is not done talking yet. Abraham was not a Jew by birth. He was from Ur of the Chaldees, the land he left at the age of 75. According to the ancient historian Josephus, Abraham left the land of the Chaldees once his study of astronomy and mathematics made it clear to him that there was only one God over all, and he alone was to be worshipped and feared. This revelation was not well received by the Chaldeans, who held a polytheistic religious view. Satan promoted polytheism from the beginning. Genesis chapter 3 details Satan's conversation with Eve, during which Satan discredits God and his word, telling Eve that she would not die if she ate of the forbidden fruit, as God said, but instead would have her eyes open and be like the gods. Genesis 3, 1 through 5. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Abraham was not chosen because of his bloodline. Rather, he was chosen because of faith in God and God's word that was spoken to him. The first time the word righteousness is recorded in the Bible is in association with Abraham and faith, Genesis fifteen four through 6. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in God, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Righteousness is the action of faith. Due to Abraham's faith and obedience to God and his word, the following promise was made to him by God, Genesis twenty-two seventeen through 18. That in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. 
A very short list of Abraham's blessings would include, one, faith and fear in the one true God. That's a big one. Number two, circumcision. Number three, advanced knowledge of mathematics and astronomy. Number four, the laws of God given to Moses, who was of the seed of Abraham. Five, the legal system. Six, social order. Seven, the structure and funding of the church. Eight, the world's premier dietary laws. Nine, medical and quarantine instructions. Ten, and surely most importantly, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is in the flesh the son of David, and of course, the seed of Abraham. It all began in Abraham with the revelation of one true God, the creator of all. Regarding this issue, Josephus records the following. Now Abraham, having no son of his own, adopted Lot, his brother Haran's son, and his wife Sarai's brother. And he left the land of Chaldea when he was seventy-five years old, and at the command of God went into Canaan, and therein he dwelt himself and left it to his posterity. He was a person of great sagacity, both for understanding all things and persuading his hearers, and not mistaken in his opinions, for which reason he began to have higher notions of virtue than others had, and he determined to renew and to change the opinion of all men happened then to have concerning God. For he was first that ventured to publish this notion that there was but one God, the creator of the universe, and that as to other gods, if they contributed anything to the happiness of men, that each of them afforded it only according to his appointment, and not by their own power. This, his opinion, was derived from the irregular phenomena that were visible both at land and sea, as well as those that happened to the sun and moon and all the heavenly bodies thus. If, said he, these bodies had power of their own, they would certainly take care of their own regular motions. But since they do not preserve such regularity, they make it plain that in so far as they cooperate to our advantage, they do it not of their own abilities, but as they are subservient to him that commands them, to whom alone we ought justly to offer our honor and thanksgiving. For which doctrines, when the Chaldeans and the other people of Mesopotamia raised a tumult against him, he thought fit to leave that country, and at the command and by the assistance of God, he came and lived in the land of Canaan. And when he was there settled, he built an altar and performed a sacrifice to God, end of quote. Concerning Abraham and the great wisdom God had imparted unto him, Josephus continues. Ferocious mentions our father Abram without naming him when he says thus, In the tenth generation after the flood, there was among the Chaldeans a man righteous and great and skillful in the celestial science. But Acadius does more than barely mention him, for he composed and left behind him a book concerning him. And Nicholas of Damascus, in the fourth book of his, his history, says thus, Abram reigned at Damascus, being a foreigner who came with an army out of the land above Babylon called the land of the Chaldeans. But after a long time, he got him up and removed from that country also with his people, and went into the land then called the land of Canaan, but now the land of Judea. And this when his posterity were become a multitude as to which posterity of his we relate their history in another work. No, 
The name of Abram is even still famous in the country of Damascus, and there is shown a village named from him the habitation of Abram. Concerning Egypt and Abraham's time there, Josephus writes, For whereas the Egyptians were formerly addicted to different customs, and despised one another's sacred and accustomed rites, and were very angry one with another on that account, Abram conferred with each of them, and confuting the reasonings they made use of every one of their own practices, demonstrated that such reasonings were vain and void of truth, whereupon he was admired by them in those conferences as a very wise man and one of great sagacity. When he discoursed on any subject he undertook, and this not only in understanding it, but in persuading other men to assent to him, he communicated to them arithmetic, and deliver to them the science of astronomy. For before Abram came into Egypt, they were unacquainted with those parts of learning. For that science came from the Chaldeans into Egypt, and from thence to the Greeks also. End of quotes. The Trumpet.com published the following article under the heading, Astronomy, Mathematics, and Abraham. Some of the earliest chapters in the Bible focus on a man named Abraham. The scriptural record of his life begins with God telling him to leave his country and take a journey of faith to the land of Canaan. Did you ever wonder why God told Abraham to do this? Surprising as it may sound, archaeological discoveries and ancient texts suggest that Abraham's journey actually related to astronomy and advanced mathematics. These clues have helped shed light on the remarkable life of Abraham before his sojourn in Canaan and one reason he had to leave. Modern scientists have been coming to grips with the sheer mathematical genius of the ancient Babylonians. Here is an example. You may remember the Pythagorean theorem from the math classes you took in school. Around the early 500s B.C., Greek mathematician Pythagoras discovered the theorem for working out the hypothesis, the longest side of the right side of the right angle triangle. Since that time, Pythagoras's name has been given to the method, but the Babylonians had already discovered it over 1,200 years earlier. A mathematical tablet discovered a century ago and dating to around 1800 B.C showed texts fulfilling the triangular equation of a squared plus b squared equals c squared. The artifact, known as Plimpton 322, has only recently been re-examined. Scientists have been stunned, not only by this one equation, but also by the general knowledge of trigonometry the tablet displays. Like the Pythagorean theorem, trigonometry was classically attributed to the Greeks dated to around 120 B.C., Yet this Babylonian document displays trigonometric understanding around 1,700 years earlier. Mathematician Daniel Mansfield stated, Our research shows Plimpton 322 is a trigonometric table so unfamiliar and advanced that in some respects it's superior to modern trigonometry. And their genius went far beyond complex mathematics. It was also evident in astronomy. Some of the earliest known astronomy texts from Babylon describe observations of the planet Venus. The Babylonians were able to predict where certain planets could be found in the sky at any given point in the future, 
They could also work out and predict hundreds of years in advance when and where eclipses would occur. In the 4th century BC, Greek philosopher Callisthenes acquired a series of Babylonian astronomy documents covering observations from throughout the previous 2,000 years. And sometime after 400 BC, a Babylonian tablet was written showing a trapezoid procedure for calculating the path of the planet Jupiter. This method displayed one of the foundational principles of calculus, thought to have been discovered 1,400 years later. What does any of this have to do with the patriarch Abraham? The book of Genesis states that Abraham was originally from the Chaldean city of Ur. The Chaldeans were a Babylonian tribe of especially gifted scientific people. Abraham grew up right in the golden age of scientific discovery in Babylon during the 1900s B.C. But he wasn't merely exposed to Chaldean Babylonian astronomy and mathematics. Ancient historians record that he was a leading light in these fields. Sir Walter Raleigh's The History of the World, written in 1614, referenced 1st century A.D. historian Philo of Alexandria, saying that Abraham, through astronomy, together with the motions of the stars and other heavenly bodies, found out the knowledge of the true God while he lived in Chaldea. He further referenced a number of ancient historians who collectively agreed that Abraham, the holiest and wisest of men, did first teach the Chaldeans, then the Phoenicians, lastly, the Egyptian priest, astronomy, and divine knowledge, chapter 2, section 2. Thus we see Abraham, attributed by many as one of the chief instructors of the elite Chaldeans and their advanced knowledge. But Abraham did not just study and teach science for science's sake. Through science, he, he proved excuse me, the existence of one true God, end of quotes. On August 4, 2021, BBC Science Focus magazine reported the Babylonians were using Pythagoras' theorem over 1,000 years before he was born. One historian headlined, Abraham as Chaldean scientist and father of the Jews. One of the world's oldest historic sites is the cave of Machpelah in Israel. The following excerpts are from the God Said, Man Said feature, Archaeology Keeps on Saying Yes. This great man of God, Abraham, the very patriarch of faith, lived about 4,000 years ago. Is the Genesis account given by God unto Moses accurate? Is there any existing record or monument? 2,000 years ago, King Herod built a colossal monument that enshrines the burial place of Abraham and his dead. The following excerpts are from an article in Biblical Archaeological Review titled, the city of the patriarchs slowly yields its secrets. When modern tourists visit Hebron, they focused almost exclusively on the tomb of the, uh, on the tomb, excuse me, of the patriarchs, a magnificent shrine built 2000 years ago during the Herodian period over the traditional site of the cave of Machpelah. The Bible tells us the patriarchs Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the matriarchs, Sarah, Rebecca, and Leah, were all buried there. The relative dimensions of the structure and even the style of its ashlar masonry 
are similar to the great Temple Mount enclosure wall that Herod built in Jerusalem on the site where Solomon had built the first temple and where the exiles returning from Babylon built a more modest structure that Herod replaced. Most visitors depart unaware that just a thousand yards to the west, easily visible from the shrine, is the mound that was the site of the ancient biblical city of Hebron. The hill called Jebel Er-Rumide in Arabic rises prominently above the surrounding buildings in the center of the modern city, end quote. It was mentioned earlier that Abraham was not done talking, which refers to the world-ending battle of Armageddon. This battle will come to its end at Jerusalem. Jesus Christ will return with his saints to destroy the armies of the Antichrist and the world as we know it. Abraham was being tested by God. God told him to take his son Isaac and sacrifice him on Mount Moriah, Hebrews eleven seventeen through 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Abraham was preparing to sacrifice Isaac on Mount Moriah when God stepped in and stopped him. God supplied a ram that was caught in the thicket for the sacrifice. Mount Moriah is where the Jewish Temple Mount sits in Jerusalem. Imagine this. It is also where the Muslims erected the Dome of the Rock over what is believed to be the very rock upon which Abraham placed his only begotten son, Isaac. However, Muslims claim that it was not Isaac to be sacrificed, but rather his half-brother Ishmael, whom Abraham took to Mount Moriah. The Old and New Testaments are very clear that Abraham took Isaac to Mount Moriah. The Old Testament account by Moses predates Muhammad and the Muslim faith by approximately 2,100 years, and the New Testament account just quoted in Hebrews by 600 years. This rock is a rock of offense, a rock of contention, even at this very moment. The scriptures teach that the Old Testament is a teacher and a shadow of the Christ to come. It was Christ's purpose to fulfill the law. Matthew 5, 17, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Abraham is a shadow of God in the Old Testament, and Isaac shadows Jesus Christ. Note the words used. Isaac is called Abraham's only begotten son. Isaac is spared, and God supplies his own sacrifice. That sacrifice was Jesus Christ the righteous who went to Calvary's cross to purchase our salvation. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ is known in the Bible as the rock of offense. Romans 9.33, As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. 1 Peter 2, 6-8 through 8. 
Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. He that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. The Old Testament shadow of this Christ, who is called the rock of offense, is a rock that sits atop Mount Moriah on the Jerusalem Temple Mount under the shadow of the Muslim Dome of the Rock, a rock of contention, a rock of offense to this very day. The shadow will meet the fulfillment at the Battle of Armageddon, where Christ and his saints return to this earth to destroy the armies of Satan. Here, Jesus Christ will settle the score. After 4,000-plus years, Abraham will speak. The shadow is fulfilled. Was there a father Abraham, the father of faith, in whom all the nations of the earth are blessed as a result of his covenant with God? Was there a father Abraham born according to Usher just two years after Noah's death? Do ancient historians say absolutely? Does mathematics and astronomy confirm it? Are all the nations of the earth blessed as a result of Abraham and his seed just as God promised? Of course the answer is yes. You can visit the cave of Machpelah in Hebron where Father Abraham's dust resides or visit the Muslim rock of the dome where Abraham took Isaac. Remember the shadow and John 3.16. It's almost over now, and Abraham has something to say. God's word is true and righteous altogether in absolutely every detail. This is the place to build a life that will last forever. God said, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. And the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all nations of the earth be blessed. God said, Genesis 23, 7 through 9, 13 through 19. And Abraham stood up and bowed himself to the people of the land, even to the children of Heth. And he communed with them, saying, If it be your mind that I should bury my dead out of my sight, hear me, and entreat for me to Ephron, the son of Zohar, that he might give me the cave of Machpelah, which he hath, which is in the end of his field, for as much money as it is worth, he shall give it me for a possession of a burying place amongst you. And he spake unto Ephraim in the audience of the people of the land, saying, But if thou wilt give it, I pray thee, hear me. I will give thee money for the field. Take it of me, and I will bury my dead there. And Ephraim answered Abraham, saying unto him, My lord, hearken unto me. The land is worth four hundred shekels of silver. What is that betwixt me and thee? Bury therefore thy dead. And Abraham hearkened unto Ephraim, and Abraham weighed to Ephraim the silver, which he had named in the audience of the sons of Heth, 400 shekels of silver, current money with the merchant. And the field of Ephron, which was in Machpelah, which was before Mamre, the field and the cave, which was therein, and all the trees that were in the field that were in all the borders round about were made sure.
unto Abraham for possession in the presence of the children of Heth before all that went in at the gate of his city. And after this, Abraham buried Sarah his wife in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, the same as Hebron in the land of Canaan. God said, 1 Peter 2, 6-8, through 8, Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Man said, So, okay, maybe I've never read the Bible. So what? Everybody knows it's just old men with a God fetish writing nonsense. It's totally unreliable. So what if I didn't read it? Now you have the record.